and welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about a 26-year-old virgin, not that there's anything wrong with that, so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read The First Time, colon, Finding Myself and Looking for Love on Reality TV by Colton Underwood. Joining us to discuss this capital B Bachelor memoir is Rebecca Kim Wells, bisexual dragon biographer and unapologetic bachelor enthusiast hello i'm very excited hi welcome thanks for joining us we're excited that you're here too i love the podcast so i'm very happy and i love the bachelor so i'm even more happy (laughs) thank you we we love your books (laughs) thank you it's true i do feel like we've been like vaguely talking about having you on for so long and i'm very pleased that you're finally here it happened me too and also i feel like this is the perfect book for me on this podcast Um, we do need your your expertise in order to parse bachelordom So thank you for providing that for us. So this is, we have dipped our toe into the world of The Bachelor two and a half times before this, which was, um, we read Courtney Robertson's book, I Didn't Come Here to Make Friends. And that was actually one of our very first episodes. It was episode four. And I don't know if I recommend going back and listening to an episode that old, because I truly don't remember if it was um good and it probably wasn't but we did read it and then that was actually the first time that we met margaret h willison friend of the show friend of the internet because she came back for a bonus episode to explain the bachelor to us because we were like this book sounds fun we'll read it and then we were both like oh we've never watched the bachelor why do we do this And not only that, but I felt like so many people had such strong opinions about her that there was like the second we we were talking about it places, people were like, oh, my God. But did you know? Blah, 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 blah. And we were like, no, (laughs) no. Yeah, we were just like this. But like, I, I don't know seemed fun and then we also did read chris harrison's romance novel the perfect oh my letter God. yes um again with that was with margaret right I, should... I think it was i was about to say yeah, i think margaret was there for that one too i should either check before i start talking or just remember things that happened in our podcast but it's too late i'm pretty sure it was margaret and that book um was bad and <laughs> For more details on that, you can find the episode. But in short, it was bad. And um, and now we're here with for the third time a Bachelor book. And it is the first time by Colton Underwood. And before we get into this, I should say, first of all, this book in general has a, a mild content warning for sexual assault mentioned. Not a lot, but I just want to mention it before we get into the book. And uh, to be clear, no one in the book is sexually assaulted in the book, but there's discussion about real people with real pasts outside of the book. Yeah, yeah, Colton Underwood did not, as far as we know, sexually assault anyone, except that literally the day before we recorded this, it did come out that Cassie, who is his girlfriend from The Bachelor, filed a restraining order against him like yesterday so there's not a lot of details about that and since we record so far in advance now i feel like by the time this comes out either like this will all have faded away or colton will be like in jail i have no idea and i don't necessarily want to (laughs) i don't know colton what'd you do 
Yeah, I feel like I feel like um, the best the our best course of action because we talked about this a little beforehand is to record the podcast as we would have recorded it if we recorded it yesterday before this news broke, if only because there's literally like no detailed information about it yet. Yeah, but I just want to acknowledge it because if you're listening to this in the future, it might it it might seem wild that we didn't mention this. Um, Yeah, yes, it is. The timing of it is very interesting and unexpected. Yeah, and I mean, even okay, I'm doing this all of order per usual. We'll get into the book and the show soon, but so I read this book and then I I googled. Colton and Cassie because I just kind of wanted to know and then there were all these just truly peak 2020 headlines of like Cassie says that she didn't break up with Colton because of COVID-19 I was like excuse me what and so I guess this book came out in March and like right after that Colton got COVID-19 and was sick for two months and Cassie like nursed him back to health and then they broke up and then restraining order um very fresh again so None of that's in the book. There's so much wild stuff that is in the book. And then outside of the world of the book, it just keeps on going. Especially since, you know, like publishing timelines, the text of this book, it came out in March, but the text was probably finalized by like last November at the latest. So that's like the timeline of the book that we're talking about. Which is extra wild to me because I didn't... So, like like Renata said, like, we don't have a ton of personally background on The Bachelor. Um, and I didn't, so I didn't, like, have a note in my head, like, oh, yeah, like, he was from this season. I was like, The Bachelor's been on for 100 years. Who knows when this kid was on? Mm-hmm. And it turned out it was, like, a little more than a year ago. So the idea that he was like, this was so, this was such a formative experience in my life that I'm writing a book about it now immediately i guess it does capitalize on that post bachelor fame but like i don't know as like a very nervous person i don't know that i'd be able to write about a relationship that had just started and have it published forever on the other hand as we will discuss colton is an extremely strategic person so he absolutely got off the bachelor and was like okay what's my next move and this was it yeah good for him um okay uh so yeah, Kate and I mentioned at length that we don't necessarily watch The Bachelor, and I want to say that it's not because like I enjoy reality television, and whenever I feel like we're past the peak of a lot of comedians and stuff used to really live tweet The Bachelor, and it was a whole thing, and I would kind of be like, oh maybe I'll get into that, and then I would look, and the episodes are like three hours long, and I was like, ooh, mm, I'll I'll get the next I'll get the next trend. And then sort of recently, I feel like a lot of people quit watching The Bachelor because of some, like, again, sexual assault allegations on Bachelor in Paradise or something like that. And again, we're not really speaking to that. I just wanted to mention it because I feel like now there's so many kind of disclaimers that we have to attach to The Bachelor. And so if there's other, like, major red flags, well, we don't know because we don't watch it, except for Rebecca. Yeah, and... um. I, the, like, other weird connection that I have to The Bachelor is uh, actually in the season that Colton was on, um, one of my college best friend's brother was on that same season and made it fairly far. 
Um, which is not necessarily like I didn't watch it because he was on it. I didn't like it. I was only like vaguely aware that it was happening because as he got further, he would just like pop up in my social media feed and I'd be like, wow, there's very strong genetics in your family. So I keep like seeing your picture out of the corner of my eye and thinking that you're like a straighter, kind of sleazier looking version of your brother. <laughs> um but, which is not to say that Jason is sleazy, just that, like, he has a very slicked back, straight guy kind of look, and his queer brother does not possess that stylistic choice. So so the, I do have that, like, minor connection, and it was still very much a trip to be reading, listening to this book and have him say, like, Jason Tardick, and be like, oh. <laughs> I had that feeling, but not about a person, about a town, because this... Uh, Colton grew up in central Illinois, extremely near where I grew up. And he like, um, well, he's he's from Washington, Illinois, which is like one town over from where I grew up. And like, I went to the dentist in Washington and nothing else. That was the only reason I ever went to Washington, but I've, I've been there. I know it. And, and that was, that was of mild interest to me. And then we moved, and then he moved away from Washington. And now I find that on the show, he identifies his hometown as being Colorado, Denver, somewhere in Colorado. So he's, he's betrayed his Midwestern roots and I want nothing more to do with him. So given all of that, Rebecca, <laughs> give us some bachelor, yes. Who is take he? us to bachelor school. Who's this boy okay. from Washington, Illinois? <laughs> I love that. Um, okay. So. I feel like I have to disclaim that I'm not, like, the most intense Bachelor person that there could be. Like, I did not know that Chris Harrison had written a romance novel. Oh my goodness. Um, I am not a religious watcher of The Bachelor. I have not seen every single season. I have only watched one season of Bachelor in Paradise. I haven't watched any of the other weird-ass spinoffs. Um... But I feel like my knowledge is, like, broad, if not extremely deep. Um, so, yeah, we are all fairly familiar with the Bachelor franchise. You know, lucky person gets to date a lot of other somewhat lucky people in the context of a lot of manipulative people trying to put them in situations to cause drama. Um, <laughs> and Colton, in particular, um, basically... He first made an appearance on uh, Becca's season, which, I don't know, was that 2018? It was somewhere in the before times. Um, and the big deal about him in that season was, oh my god, I'm a virgin, which I totally believe that he disclosed this to production, and they were like, oh yeah, it's not going to be a big deal. And then they made the entire, like, his entire character arc about that, pretty much, Um and of course, that is why he was chosen as the Bachelor, no question. Um, so that's that's sort of how he became chosen as the Bachelor. And then we get to his season, which I have to say, he was not my favorite candidate to be the Bachelor. Like, if you watch these seasons, you sort of have favorites, people that you like more and less. Um, I remember thinking that he was like kind of boring, so I wasn't thinking that it was going to be very exciting. Plus, I knew that the whole virgin thing was going to come up all the time and it would be excruciating. Mm 
Um, <laughs> yeah, so and I, it was. I watched the I watched a little bit of the season just to prepare, and it it made me so uncomfortable that. And he talks about this in the book, like when the women come out and introduce themselves, they all have a little like gimmick, and like one woman popped a red balloon, was like, "I popped your cherry." Um, another heroic woman came out dressed in like a full sloth costume and said like, she heard, I, I, I heard you like to take things slow and just uh, like, yeah, that's right. George, it was weird. The sloth costume was very good, but the, the, I just can't imagine like being at this like filmed fancy party and a bunch of ladies coming out being like, Oh, you're a virgin, huh? Anyway, I'm Renata. Like it's, <laughs> it's so weird. It made me so uncomfortable to watch. I mean, you know, obviously Colton's a multifaceted person and you can feel one way or another about him. Um, but that in particular made me feel really bad for him because it's so invasive. I mean, the whole show is so invasive, mm-hmm. but it's so invasive. And, you know, normal people in that situation would be like, you know, obviously the nation knows I'm a virgin. It's out. We don't have to talk about it anymore. But instead, every single season and Chris Smarmy Harrison, mm-hmm. you know, getting on the beginning of each episode being like, hmm, is this the episode where Colton's going to lose his virginity? Let's watch and find out. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. I just made myself crack up a little bit. There. <laughs> it's just, it's very, the whole <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll like you if there's if there's more you want to say, Rebecca. I will before I dive into. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, do you want do you want me to talk about why Colton season was so revolutionary? Because it actually was, aside from the yes. version well, thing. Maybe actually, why don't we pause and talk about the first chunk of the book and then okay. get back into Bachelor? Okay. Um, just to so he he does he talks about his childhood in Washington, Illinois, and like playing football and getting good at football and becoming this sort of like, you know, popular jock, but not ever having sex. And he, there's a part where he talks about like, George, I know it's really weird. weird He talks a lot about um, like there, there's a point where he, somebody asked him if he was gay and he was like, I don't think I'm gay. So then he did like, he watched a lot of gay porn to see if he was gay. He, and he like, Googles like, how do you know if you're gay? Yeah. And, his and I feel like, found out. I feel like that's very responsible on his part that he wasn't immediately like, I'm not gay. He was like, hmm, that's a question. Let's investigate. Totally. Yeah. And, and I think he comes across as like very earnest and very, um, but but here's what I wish and what I wonder, and it's never addressed. And I think part of this is because maybe it's it's not a newer concept, but it's a concept that a lot of people don't learn about in school. But, like, asexuality and demisexuality, like, I wish he had Googled that and been like, oh, maybe I'm demisexual. Like, maybe, you know, maybe I only feel sexual attraction when I already have this bond with people. And he never looks into that. And throughout the whole book, I kept wondering, like, I wonder if reading about that concept would be helpful to you, Colton, because he, you know, he is Christian. He talks about that, but he explicitly is not like, I'm saving myself for marriage because that's what my religion says. And I do feel like, I mean, of course, if that was his reason, I think, you know, some people would like tease him about that or whatever. But I think that's sort of like a a more, like, I think society knows more what to do with that than just like, Oh, I, I don't know. I just didn't get around to it. Do you know what I yeah. mean? 
And and he says something about that too with like I kind of wish I was gay because that would be easier to explain. And and on, on some levels, like no, I'm not sure that like being gay in your small town would actually be easier, but it, it might. I, I, you know, you might. It would have been way. like clarifying, yes. at least. I feel like he comes across in this section, which I think we'll talk more about later, maybe. But he comes across as somebody who's just like very confused because, again, you know, if you Google pictures of him, like he's a very generally attractive looking dude if you're into dudes. <laughs> and. He's a pro athlete, a former pro athlete. So obviously he takes very good care of himself. Um, So he is like very conventionally attractive. And again, pro athletes, you sort of have that stereotype of, oh, ladies are just falling over themselves to get at them, right? Yeah. So to have that juxtaposed with the idea of the way he's describing himself as just a very like even possibly painfully awkward person who just doesn't really know how to how to do these sorts of things like interact with women and figure that out is very like oh man like you know he's just searching for answers yeah yeah it it does like it does feel because you know like like you said like he he is conventionally attractive um he played professional sports he it's never it's never positioned as if i didn't have an opportunity or girls didn't like me or whatever in fact he goes to great lengths to lie at certain points about what he's doing because he's aware that not wanting to go out and like hook up with girls with his football teammates is weird. You know, Mm -hmm. he talks about like his high school girlfriend wanting to have sex with him and him being like, I'm not comfortable with this and her breaking up with him Mm -hmm. Um, or, or him breaking up with her. I don't remember. One of them breaks up with the other one after she tries to instigate sex and he didn't, wasn't interested and i i can understand like as as terrible as maybe poorly poorly thought out as saying i wish i had been gay because it would have been easier may sound i do and the thing that makes me think like maybe you're demisexual maybe like this is something that you need to explore maybe you know you need to explore like the entire spectrum of sexuality is that like i understand the like relief that comes from thinking that you're not like other people and then realizing there's a label for what you are and being like, oh, like, this is what I'm not some weird, strange person who's who's different than everyone else. Like, here's where I fit in. Yeah, and this exactly. Is like, like, this is a thing. And, and it's like, it's a relief to be like, oh, no, other people feel this way. It's not just me. Like, I'm not alone. I'm not the only person on Earth who's had these experiences. Like, there are maybe people I can talk to about it who would understand so I do, I do feel it. And I do feel like, like, obviously, the the news that has just come out has kind of tainted this thought in my head. But having not watched any of the show, and only having read this book, I, I kind of came away with like this impression of Colton, and obviously everything about everything to do with the show is manufactured, as like, kind of like an affable, lovable jock who like is means well, 
and is just kind of like, oh yeah, you know, like our, that's that's our that's our our weird jock token friend. He's fine, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we so we go through um his high school years. His parents get divorced when he's in college, and he's like playing serious college football, and it really messes him up for a little while. Um, he does real good at college football. Um, and he is scouted by all these professional scouts and several people say that like, oh, like our professional team might be interested in you, but like draft day comes and goes and he's not signed on to any of those teams at the end of the day. Like even the ones who like are calling him and keeping him on the phone don't end up signing him. So he does end up, end up getting signed to like a practice squad. Or something yeah. that probably and, makes sense And he sense mentions too. in the book too. I guess like the the bachelor marketing referred to him as an NFL star, and <laughs> then some football people got mad because he certainly wasn't a star. But like he he was he wasn't a practice squad. He was briefly on an actual team for like a week or something. Like so, it was basically like I mean, not that I know anything about how this works really, but basically he like got called up. But he was put on JV or like the sub list or whatever, pretty much. Yeah. For yeah. very little money. <laughs> um, so he did that on and off for several years. And he played one, he played either offense or defense. And then when he finally, he ended up getting signed to a different team and they were going to put him like on the the main squad eventually, but they switched him to, he had played both in high school and they switched him to the other one and he felt like they weren't I, oh my god imagine anyone who knows about football listening to this and just like <laughs> well okay so I'm, I'm the only thing i'm going to clarify here is that he thought of himself as a defensive player okay. it was defense right and then they're like oh you should be offense and he was like what the fuck do i do with that the last time i played offense was in high school yeah and yeah. he's so he's very he's unsure of it and he's unsure of the decision and then he hurts himself and the team doctors are like now nah, you're fine he's like actually like i'm in a lot of pain and i think that your diagnosis is wrong and they're like no nah, you're fine we'll send you for an mri oh look the mri says you're fine but you can't look at it <laughs> that's so he, like not shady at all of yeah. course but yeah. it so was he, the san diego chargers by the way call out to the chargers for having shitty health care i guess yeah was it i thought it was the raiders oh no we're maligning someone shit all right keep talking i'll double check before i falsely malign um so whatever one it is like he ends up needing shoulder surgery like real bad like bone fragments have moved to his muscles from where like his bones were fractured his shoulder was fractured and like it's a very extensive very expensive surgery that he has to go through um so he quits football to do that and in the course of like his football career he was finding that like playing football wasn't it didn't give him the joy it used to give him anymore which is part of why he left um but he did start a a charity for children with was it cystic fibrosis yeah because his yeah. nephew or something had it okay by the way rebecca you're right the shoulder thing was the raiders the yes chargers. before the raiders he played for the chargers and hurt his leg and left the chargers and went to the raiders 
I feel like the moral of the story is maybe don't play professional football. Oh, yeah, maybe don't. <sighs> it sounds bad. Um, but so he starts this charity and he like finds a lot of joy in doing that. And uh, one of his football friends introduces him or knows Ali Reisman, the gymnast. Because yeah, his football friend is dating another professional gymnast. Ms. Yeah. Sean Johnson. Yes. Uh, Who's fantastic. We love her, right? Yes. Yeah, of course. Or we don't even know her. We, we don't she, know she her. She also wrote a YA book about <laughs> gymnastics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So she, so he kind of is like, oh, like, would you be interested in her? And he's like, yeah, I guess. And he's like, oh, like, record a video asking her out. And then without telling him, shows like she's shown that video on live TV and has to like react to it, which feels real shitty. Um, but she does like she kind of understands that he didn't have anything to do with it. So with the the asking on live TV, so she texts him and they text for a while and they like decide to go on like a couple dates and he it goes really well and he's really into her. And there is a very funny part where they're like driving in the car together and she says like. I love New York, but the oh, Neo... I love. She says, "I love Neo." Yeah, the musician. Neo. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was hard to tell in the audiobook. I was listening it to it at one point seven five, and I was unsure who that musician was. So, but he he thinks she said, "I love you," <laughs> so he says, "I love you too," and she's like, "Uh, <laughs> yeah." Um, but they do, they stay together for a while, and she essentially, like, when the Larry Nasser stuff comes out, she tells him, well, before that, actually, she tells him about what happened, and then as it starts to come public... I, I had the sense that she told him, like, right before it was coming public, like... Yeah. He didn't get a lot of lead time with this information. Um, so he's, like, he's doing his best to, like, help her deal with that fallout, but... In the end, she's just like, it's a, it's a very stressful time in a person's life, I would imagine, when your, you know, abuser and assaulter is very publicly on trial. Um, so they end up breaking up so that she can kind of like deal with her stuff. And he's like very upset, but also like kind of understands. And at the, it's at this point where he's like taking a walk around Denver and he sees this very long, he decides he's going to start dating. That's what he's going to do now that he's out of football and he doesn't have a job currently. And he's like looking for the next chapter of his life. And this girl's just broken up with him. He's like, yeah, like I'm going to do some dating, like this thing that I never did before. And literally while walking down the street, sees this long line of people. And it's like, I wonder what these people are online for. And it is women lining up to audition for the bachelor. And when he mentions something, he stops to like, look at them one of the scouts is like, hey, you, like, are you here yeah. for this? And he's like, no. Yeah. And he's like, well, come inside anyway. He's like, come here, handsome boy. Yes. <laughs> I have some candy for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he thinks it's like, he's very nervous and like, not sure what he thinks of it. But at the end of the day, he's like, hey, like, I've never done dating before. Like, this could be a cool way to start dating. I'm I'm certain that that's exactly what he thought as recorded in this book and oh, yeah. not anything else at all. Yes, 100%. That was definitely what was going through his head and not mm. just the very good marketing strategy for this book. Well, and, and he is, I mean, we've already seen him as someone who's taken his 
very mild football fame and managed to parlay that into some kind of charity thing where, you know, he's not like a, a Tom Brady or like a, like a very famous football player, but he somehow was able to use that. <laughs> I mean, he's like, you know, let's be real. He's like barely a football player. Right. But I guess some, you know, he talks about being able to do like football fundraisers with yeah, that exactly. level of fame. Cause yeah. I guess a lot of people like football more than I do. So that's great <laughs> for them. Um, I love that for them, but I, you know, I, I do think that he is someone who's like, has his eye on, on like a bigger picture. And if some of that was like, oh, if I get famous on TV, you know, I don't know. He, I, I totally agree with you. I think that something that he doesn't talk about as explicitly in the book, but is very clear if you read the book is that he's very strategic Mm-hmm. And he will work for what he decides he wants. Um, I think that's very clear from the beginning when he is working toward a football career. And it's very clear right now when you see him realize, hmm, maybe The Bachelor is an opportunity. I'm going to go after this. Yeah, because yeah. then he goes and he starts, he's like, I hadn't really watched The Bachelor before, but then he goes and he watches old season. He like studies the art of The Bachelor. Yeah, and exactly. He com- and he comes to the interview like, oh yeah, I've been watching and like my favorites are, um, you know, these three who parentheses all the Bachelor fan forums I was on said were the most likely to win. Like he's, he's in it. So, you know, if you don't watch The Bachelor, maybe you don't know this, but why are you listening to this podcast if you don't really? <laughs> but basically, the way that it used to work was The Bachelor and Bachelorette used to be just sort of like random people who were mildly successful in life. But now they've really capitalized on this like audience to um, participant relationship thing where almost exclusively the new Bachelorette or Bachelor will be chosen from the top like three or four finalists of the previous season so when they're like hmm what ladies do you like obviously he's gonna say oh yeah the three ladies who are in contention to be the bachelorette yeah it's very like he goes home after his interview and he friends them all on social media um the top three and one of them um this girl tia friends him back and they start chatting he posts a, a, a video or a photo or something that she comments on and they like DM back and forth and like ha- start having this like kind of text based relationship where they will like FaceTime and text, but they haven't met. And he at this point hasn't told her yet that he is auditioning for The Bachelorette. And then he does kind of tell her like, yeah, like FYI, like the reason I friended you initially was because... I am interested in being on The Bachelorette and I was like doing research into the girls who were on The Bachelor this season and she's like, eh, that's fine. We can, we can continue this. This is okay. I like, you know, I think that probably her feelings are more complicated than as portrayed in the book, right? But I do feel like You know, that's been another development in the show recently over the last couple of years because of the explosion of social media and spoilers. Um, Basically, everyone can connect to everyone. And there's a little bit of like playing for position and advantage and that sort of thing. So he's definitely playing his his, you know, game. And I think to a certain extent, I think she is as well. Yeah, definitely. Because she even like says to him, 
when she finds out he's like very close to being accepted, she's like, oh, like maybe you won't be accepted and then you can come on Bachelor in Paradise and I'll be on too. And like we could do like a whole thing and it would be like a good, you know, it's it's very it's very much implied that like neither of them, both of them are looking at this from like. An influencer point of view. Yes, like a a strategic, like, okay, well, this is, this is a good relationship to have in my back pocket if I need it kind of deal. And he does get chosen. uh, So he goes on this season with Becca and he does disclose to the producers right before the show starts. First that he's a virgin and then, or no, does he do the virgin first or does the Tia thing first? Virgin first. No, I think maybe the Tia thing first, actually. Yeah. Because that's the thing that they get him for first. I remember this. I was watching this season. (laughs) Um, So they, he he is very nervous because like, of course, interestingly, the thing that he mentions over and over again in this, you know, very, very pointedly created book is that he loves honesty amongst he keeps I honestly is very important to him and he hates lying so he gets very nervous you know again according to the text the night before his introduction to Becca and he calls his producer and is like hey like just so you know I feel really bad that I haven't told you guys this but I did like a I kind of had like a sort of flirty thing with a past contestant and B that past contestant did like FaceTime introduce me to Becca very quickly at a party. So like she might recognize me and I just feel like this is something that you guys should know. Um, So it does like kind of turn into a thing like they bring Tia on for an episode where it's like a girl's day out with Becca's best friends like, they definitely, like, play that into his storyline on the show. And then, of course, the other thing is he admits to them that he's a virgin. And they're all, like, shocked, but also in a, like, well, we can use this too sort of way. Oh, my God. He had the worst date with Becca ever because mm-hmm. of production. I read, like, I'd sort of forgotten about this until I was reading the book. And then I was like, you know... The Bachelor, they have fantastic dates. You go skydiving, you have private boats, you have like exploring and canyons and exotic locales, whatever. And then the date that he gets is they go ride camels because of humps in the Las Vegas desert. And then they're stuck in a hot tub together again in the fucking middle of the desert. And sure, like you want to spend time with the person, but that sounds like hell literally and and then i would be looking around being like what the fuck kind of date is this is this like you know whatever that con was that they were like this is going to be great and then it was a half-filled ball pit in a conference center (laughs) is this yeah it's the dash con of bachelor dates yeah exactly (laughs) and he feels like he he talks earlier in the book about telling his football friends when he's playing about it and them like largely being cool with it And then when he gets to the house, like, he tells the other guys and tells them, like, keep it a secret, but they blab and the whole house knows by the end of the day. But most people there are also, like, real chill with it, except for a couple troublemakers. 
And it, it just is very like I and I think part of what makes me so kind of sympathetic towards him in this book is that it is such like a shitty thing to be constantly pulled up and referred back to like nationally. And obviously, like he chose to do this. And he even talks about how like, because of his virginity, he has a better shot at like making it to the fantasy suites because he knows it would make good TV and stuff like that. But like, I can also see how being like, Oh, like this could be a strategic, like something I can use in order to like get ahead in this thing. And then having it turned into your only thing that is happening on national television constantly for two years of your life. Mm-hmm. Like, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. And 100%. that's something about this book. It's something that I liked about, like, Courtney's book. And I'm just, I'm always very interested in the behind the scenes of reality television. Like, there have been several times in my life where I've ended up at a social gathering and, like, met a new person and found out they were some sort of reality TV producer. And I'm just like, oh, you shouldn't have told me that because I'm following you around for the rest of this party. Like, tell me everything. And I, I think The Bachelor is particularly guilty of this um, strategy on behalf of the producers where they keep the contestants drunk and hungry all the time. Like, and Colton doesn't talk about this that much, but Courtney did, and I've read it other places that, like, you know, champagne is always available, but you have to really work if you want water. And, like, you know, they're not going to put the food out until everyone's already kind of drunk because that's also going to make for better TV but also irresponsible. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I totally share your obsession with, like, how is this made, which is part of why I watch The Bachelor, to be honest. Yeah. Because I watch it and I'm like, what is going on? How are you doing that? Yeah. Yeah, and Colton does kind of touch upon it in a weird way where he talks about how the they're expected kind of to like they're not the only time they're ever fed is on like group dates or if it's like the cocktail hour before the rose ceremony or something like any other time they're on their own yeah and he would make a lot of eggs because he is an athlete yes Um, and also that like they started cooking for each other because like some of them like to cook and some of them didn't. And they very quickly realized since no one, they couldn't like go get fast food or anything. Like mm-hmm. their choices were like, eat here or don't eat. Um, but it, it, it is, I'm, I'm curious too. This is maybe not the best place to do it, but I, I was, I have been interested in thinking about this. And um, Rebecca, tell me if this characterization is wrong, but what was interesting to me about this book, thinking about Courtney's book as well, which I did read a very long time ago. Mm-hmm. But obviously like the whole conceit of her book was that like, she was the villain. Mm-hmm. She got the villain cut. And this is like her capitalizing on that. And like, she did all the things that the women aren't supposed to do. And whereas I feel like Colton is at least through this book portrayed as like being doing, not doing all of the things that the bachelor is supposed to do that. Like, because like a, obviously like his virginity is part of it, but also be like, it feels like he, he, there, there are certain ways that the men are, are supposed to act, quote unquote, and the women are supposed to act, quote unquote, and that Colton kind of veers a little bit away from the what the men are supposed to act like and what's expected of them into like this other 
category. So are we talking about him breaking the show at this point? Because yeah, maybe, maybe we should get into it because we really we're still in like Becca's season. Maybe we should zoom forward a little bit. And wrap yeah. OK, and so the, OK, so I'll just state at this point, you know, everybody gets a storyline and I didn't read Courtney's book and I actually don't think I watched the season that Courtney was on. But yes, she absolutely got the villain storyline and Colton. You know, obviously, we just talked about like the fact that you're being a virgin is called out multiple times a day on national television sucks, but that was his storyline. And so it was very easy for him because nobody had to manufacture something else. So from that perspective, he could just be himself, the lonely 26 year old virgin, (laughs) which is terrible, but also like then, you know, the producers didn't like have to turn themselves into pretzels trying to like make something else of you. So real quick, he is on Becca season. He gets like the top four or five. Um, and he does think that he'll probably get to the fantasy suite because he has like kind of clicked with Becca. He's not like super in love with her or anything, but like he doesn't dislike her. And he's like, yeah, like I could be into this. And then and again, this is all like his narrative in as portrayed in the book. Um, he thinks he'll probably get the fantasy suite so it'll be good TV. And he doesn't. So he goes home and like the producers say to him, like, but like, don't go too far away from your phone because uh, you might be a good Bachelor contestant going forward. Uh, So he agrees to do Bachelor in Paradise because he thinks that will, like, up his chances of possibly being The Bachelor because it'll help him play the game because he contacts some past Bachelor winners for suggestions and they say, like, pick your battles, you know, whatever. So he goes on Bachelor in Paradise. Which was, like, the most boring part of the book to me because I did not watch Bachelor in Paradise. Mm -hmm. But, you know, probably people who did would feel differently. Which, and Bachelor in Paradise, by the way, so with the the Bachelor and Bachelorette, there's like one titular Bachelor or Bachelorette and everyone is competing for them. And Bachelor in Paradise is just like a free-for-all of the rejects from past seasons. Yeah, so so I actually have watched one season only because because I've been so vocal about my love for The Bachelor. Other people have also been connecting with me over this. And one of them was like, watch The Bachelor in Paradise. So I watched one season and it's terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it is basically like they collect all the rejects, the people who they think are going to make good TV. They throw them on this like deserted beach. It's way worse than The Bachelor, not just because like you don't get to travel anywhere, but also it just sounds really like hot and uncomfortable and sandy and gross. Yeah, he talks um, about it being like like cabins or... Um... Yeah, so... Um, And they're stuck there the whole time. And instead of like one person handing out the roses, what they do is every episode, like a couple people get date cards and they have to invite someone of the of another gender to like, hey, let's go on a date together. And it's supposedly it's because, oh, we're trying to like spark love connections. But really, people go on these dates because they're bored out of their fucking minds and they need to get off the island Mm -hmm. pretty much. Um, so he, he goes on this, um, he, Tia is also on it. They like sort of reconnect, but he's like not really feeling it. And he like, they have this whole like confrontation where he like cries a lot and they decide that they're going to break up and they're not after they go on like a couple dates on the show. Um, so they leave the island and he 
goes back to Denver where he's living um, with his father and is like, okay, well, like I, I got some settlement money from my shoulder injury that they probably shouldn't have let me play on, even though I told them it hurt a lot. Um, I don't want to get a job yet because it's possible the bachelor's going to come calling and I don't want to have to immediately quit. Uh, and the bachelor does come calling. It's down to him, um, Jason and some other guy. And I only remember Jason because he's my brother. He's the brother of my friend. Um, and he ends up getting it. So he goes off to do that. He makes the announcement on Good Morning America and like heads out to LA to like do the bachelor and like find all these these ladies and his season starts and he's introduced to all of the women and he does like very quickly find out that like he at least in the text he says that he assumed that because the virginity thing had been such a big deal on the bachelorette that like they could address it and move forward on his season of the bachelor but much to his dismay it is the constant topic of conversation and the constant gimmick that all of these women are using around him. As we discussed a little bit previously, it's just real terrible. And Chris Harrison's terrible. Everything is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he, you know, goes on dates with all these women. And he, I will say that largely he is very blandly complimentary to the majority of the women. Yeah. Um, Colton drinks his respect women juice. And, and least, we, we talked about this a little bit. At least in the context of this book, book. Yes. and how the season aired. Yes. Yeah, yeah I, I had already forgotten about his breaking news of the day, so maybe he doesn't. But, um, and one thing, we talked about this some with the Ali Reisman, but I didn't think I specifically said that the way that he talks about her as a survivor of sexual assault, and the, like, it's very respectful and very tasteful and like because when i when i realized like oh ali reisman is in this but like i was prepared for it to go to yikesville but it it wasn't i it, it came across as like very um well i already said respectful but it did just very yeah. um supportive and respectful and and good and one of the things that he makes clear to the producers and again, like, obviously, this is only his point of view. We don't know what was really going on is that he says that his relationship with her is off limits and that he doesn't want to brought up in like the marketing and he doesn't want anyone to talk about it or know about it. And that, you know, it's something that like he doesn't and he gets I think he gets angry at one point because a journalist like brings it up. Yeah. Um, and he was like, like, no, like that's private. Um and there's a point on the season where another young woman who's one of the contestants is also a survivor of sexual assault and like talks to him about it. And he's like, hey, like I dated someone who also went through this. And, you know, obviously I don't know what it's like, but, you know, I can if you need someone to talk to, if you need someone, you know, like is like a safe space for you to vent or like work through some shit, like, please know you can talk to me regardless of how this shakes out. And yeah. in the book, he does give the number for rain. Like, yeah. Which yeah. I thought was kind of yeah. classic. Like, like the helpline for sexual assault. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now we're getting into the territory of where I was watching the season like riveted. And one thing I can tell you about that episode was it was filmed and broadcast markedly differently than the rest of this season. Um, in that obviously all conversations are like edited and condensed and all of that. But 
you know, there's usually like weird schmaltzy music and they're like setting the mood and whatever. Um, but then when Kaylin and Colton sat down for like their quote unquote dinner portion of the date and she told this, this story, like they took it very seriously. It felt like a real conversation that was not like edited and clipped all that much. There was not weird mu- mood music overall. I was very surprised by how well the Bachelor franchise handled that segment and impressed. It's good to good to know. Yeah. Um, so at this point ish, he has narrowed it down to like three or four girls. And Rebecca, why don't you tell us about how he broke the Bachelor? Yeah, this is so exciting. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is like why I read this book pretty much. So. You know, like the Bachelor franchise, it's been around for a while and they're always trying to like mix things up. But of course, you know, the producers are totally manipulating all the contestants and they're totally manipulating the leads at the same time. And, you know, if you're there, you believe, oh, these people are my friends. You know, they're my shoulder to cry on. They want the best for me. They're just trying to help me find love. All of that is bullshit. Mm -hmm. What they're trying to do is make good television. Or, you know, not good, but, like, ratings television. Watchable television. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened was um, Cassie, who he's, at this point in the book, he's discussed, like, I couldn't stop thinking about her. I was pretty sure it was her. I just, like, wanted to be around her all the time. Um she, on the other hand, has a far more normal reaction to, like, the progression of this relationship, in my opinion, in that she's like, hmm, I'm just not totally sure. Like, I really like you, but I'm not sure about this. I've spent maybe, like, you know, a combined 15 hours in your company in the last six weeks. Blah, blah. Anyway, but they go home to... um for the hometown date and Colton meets her family and he's like the the dad is very clearly like the patriarch of that family and he's in my opinion quite reasonably suspicious of like you know come on dude you can't have my blessing to marry my daughter when you're still dating like three other women or whatever and exactly. it's so weird that the show, I mean, I, I get why, but it's such a weird expectation. It's so bizarre. It's ridiculous. Anyway, so I mean, it's all about the drama. Anyway, so um, Colton's like, of course, obviously he knows that he wants Cassie, um, but he still has these other two women. Um, oh, Tasha and Hannah G. Um and, and Hannah B, but he sent her home at the end of the hometowns. Um, so they head out to Fantasy Suite Week, basically. Um, so he's got three women, Tasha, uh, Hannah G, and Cassie. And Cassie is still like, you know, not really sure. She's not, she's not feeling great after hometowns because her dad was very, like, disapproving. And she, you know, she... Her, she believes in her dad. Uh, and what the producers do behind Colton's back is they fly her father out to basically talk to Cassie and talk her into quitting the show, mm-hmm. which has never happened before. I don't know what other stuff was going on in the background, but, um, but they did that. Um, 
which has never happened before, uh, to capitalize on Cassie having doubts about the relationship for drama. And so Colton is doing his thing and he comes to meet Cassie for their special date, which theoretically might end in the fantasy suite. Um, He's very excited about it. This is an amazing fucking episode of television. Um, I I haven't watched it in, you know, two years or whatever, but it's still amazing. So they're having their date and um, she comes clean with him. She tells him, look, you know, I'm not like, I'm not feeling great about things. I, um, I'm having some doubts, like I, I, I'm anxious and, you know, my dad actually came out. So she says this, she tells him her dad was there and you can watch, if you watch this episode, you can actually see like freeze frame Colton's face change as he understands what's happening. He, it clicks in that moment. He realizes, oh shit, production is not on my side. Production doesn't give a shit about me. Production has done this to fuck up this relationship on purpose. You can see the wheels turning in his face. And immediately, again, like the quote unquote game of The Bachelor is that you're not supposed to tell people that you're in love with them or that you're picking them until the final rose ceremony, which is still like two episodes away or whatever. But at this point, he was like, he actually says, no, fuck this. Cassie, I love you. I am picking you. You are my choice. Please do not go. Which, you know, totally throws the entire like format of The Bachelor out the window out the window because he's basically like, fuck you, producers. I'm doing what I want. Um, so he tells her this and she's still like not totally convinced. And it's a very difficult conversation to watch. And she eventually leaves. Like she chooses to leave the show. And after this conversation where he's already told her, I love you. I don't care. We can work anything out. We don't need to do a proposal. I just want to be with you. And she still leaves. And at this point in the episode, he's like, fuck this shit. I am out of here. And Bachelor, they always do these promos where it's like, oh my God, somebody's pouring blood. There's the ambulance pulling in. What happened? Who tried to kill who? And it's never anything. It's like somebody got drunk and tripped. Um, and so they've been teasing this episode the whole sem- the whole season about like Colton jumping this fence. Oh my god, what's going on? It's so dramatic. And everyone watching the show is like, yeah, right, whatever. Because, you know, you cry wolf so many times. Um, and then it was so much better because <laughs> he actually, like, he's so pissed off. You can see, like, you know, this is, like, where reality television is good because it's really re- real. Like, he completely stops cooperating. You're If you're on the show, you're not supposed to mess with your mic pack at all. They're supposed to mess with it for you. Um, but he basically goes into his suite. He rips off his mic pack. He rips off everything. He grabs what he has on him, like his wallet and keys or something, and he, he runs away from the compound. You see him... W- Uh, jump the fence it's like a 10 foot fence he jumps it in this foreign country i don't remember exactly what country it is he jumps it the fence he has no passport he has no phone he just runs down the street so there i will keep going but like yeah this is like monumental I, i was reading and i was riveted oh my god it was amazing and 
and they don't know what to do. Like, it's clear they don't know what to do. They call Chris Harrison out and they and Chris Harrison's like walking around calling his name like, you know, Colton, Colton. And he's like, they're actually swearing. I think somebody drops a couple of like fucks or whatever. Like, what the fuck? Like, he jumped the fucking fence. Oh, my God. Um, and then they have to like get in the van and like go out after him and convince him to come back. And he's like, fuck all of you. You did this to me, you fuckers. And eventually they like, they're like, okay, like, come on, help us make this right. Tell us what you need. And he's like, here's what I'm doing. I'm not doing this anymore. If you want me to continue to participate, I am breaking up with Tasha and Hannah G and I am going to talk to Cassie if she will talk to me. And that is it. Um, which totally breaks the format of the show. And he basically is like, fuck this, throws the show out the window. I'm doing my own thing, yeah. which you know, like listening to it, it's like, of course you should do that. But in the context of the show, this has literally never happened before. It never. sounds like a, a lot of this feels like life imitating the show Unreal. A little yes. bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they do. I mean, you know, like the rest of that's like the revolutionary pivotal part. Um, you know, the rest of the season is is fairly non, you know, uninteresting in that it basically goes how he how he dictates it must go or else he's not participating, which is he goes and he breaks up with Tasha and Hannah G and then he goes back to Cassie and he tells her what he's done. He says, you know, even if you don't choose me, I've already broken up with the other women because they're not for me. You, you are the only one I want. Like this is it. And so she agrees to give him a shot and they spend time together and then they end the show together. No proposal. No, none of that. And that was it. But it was fucking riveting television. My God. Yeah. Yeah. And that that also brings us like more or less through the end of the book. Because um, that's what like I was actually really surprised that I only had like less than an hour left of the book and none of that had happened yet. Mm-hmm. So as it started to happen, I was like, oh, like, this is all going to go very quickly, it seems. And and it does. Like, that happens. He describes that in the book. Then he describes how, like, afterwards they, like, stayed together and then they broke up briefly because, like, their expectations were different and they were very busy and they weren't making it work. But then they, like, immediately got back together and that, like, they're really happy together and, like you know, that's, that's where, like, they, I think he says that they broke up because, like, he was like, I would like to get engaged and, like, make a plan for where our relationship is going. And she was like, I'm in grad school and very busy. Like, no, mm-hmm. I'm and, not ready for that yet. And she's a few years younger than him. Like, at the time of the show, she was 23 and he was 26. And that, I don't know, felt reasonable. Uh, also, yeah, I mean, one- I'm like, overall, I'm totally on her side. Like, no, I'm not getting engaged to you, stranger, after eight weeks of somewhat kind of seeing you sometimes. No. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, one other thing that happened in the book that is, is funny is he has a chapter called like, what really happened in the fantasy suite? And then it's just a blank page that says none of your business. And that's the whole chapter. But like, exactly. Of course, that's I mean, again, I was I was shook reading the whole thing because I didn't really know who this person was. But I imagine most people reading this, that would definitely be a big question on their minds. It's like, is you know, is is this adult virgin still a virgin? 
Well, clearly he isn't, because then in the next chapter, he kind of backtracks a little and he's like, well, you know, this is what happens when you go in the fantasy suite. And then his last little bullet point there on this list of things is also people who have a sex life don't talk about it. So there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then it it goes a little bit into the post show stuff of like, they have to keep it a secret for a while until the show starts airing and the um the show pays for them to have these like secret dates in remote locations so they can see each other without it like blowing up on social media which is kind of funny um and then at the very end they're briefly yeah they break up and then they get back together and then that's the end of the book basically and and again this is all like pretty recent history so then one of the other things that came up before this restraining order was um which again was yesterday as of the time of recording, but um, slightly less recently, she had gone online to complain that he was going to like make more money um, on this book by adding details about their breakup, which aren't in the book. Yeah. That like, I followed the link that you sent around and I didn't totally understand because the way she talks about it just doesn't drive with my understanding of publishing timing. Mm-hmm. The only thing I can conclude if that chapter was discussed or exists is that perhaps he had thought about writing a new final chapter to be added to the paperback edition of the book because that is often when like extra content is put in other than that i have no idea i got yeah, nothing. it did very much feel like something that someone who knew their ex had a book coming out but didn't understand how publishing worked would say to garner sympathy yeah um, but like that's just not how publishing works yeah. like it's it's not Especially not for, like, like if, if he was, like, the most famous person in the world, I feel like maybe, I, I don't really remember what the timeline of this book coming out and their breakup was. Like, like maybe something could be done, but, like, he's, like, a fucking, like, 23rd season Bachelor contestant. Like, it's not, it's not that yeah news, yeah. you know? But yeah, because I like I I feel like that a lot. Like when I talk to people who don't know how publishing works and like the the timelines and like the money, like all of the the nitty gritty, like these um, weird illusions that people have about it, and that's what that felt like. Like someone being like, "Oh, well, like obviously this is possible," and it's like, well, "No." Yeah. But okay. Yeah. Let me see. Okay. So this article, the dateline of it is July 10th. And again, this book came out in March. And... I think they broke up in like... Or at least it was announced, the breakup in like May or June or something like that of this year. Yeah. So, okay. So here... Well, this article about... Okay. About the chapter. She says, on Monday evening, you inform me that you intend to monetize our breakup by writing a new chapter to discuss your experience with COVID, where you stayed in my family's house during your recovery and about our breakup. You've also refused to give me any sort of approval on the chapter you'll be writing, which will heavily feature me. This seems a bit unfair to me. Colton, you can do what you want, but please do not have a a double standard. Um, But so that was in July. So yeah, maybe something for the paperback or whatever but this hasn't happened yet no oh because he was upset she did an interview on 
goat. Uh, yeah, so um, I haven't watched any of these things, but basically this is a pandemic uh, creation. So because all the filming was shut down because of pandemic, they couldn't have a new Bachelor in Paradise season this year. So what they did instead, uh, and of course it messed up the filming of like the new Bachelorette season, but what they did instead was they they put together this this little limited series called like bachelor goat greatest of all time where they put together like, I don't know, two hour episodes that were just like the best moments from these past seasons, just like smushed together into one episode. I haven't watched any of them, but that's what that is. Okay. Yeah. So she says, as some of you may know, I did a goat interview this week. I purposefully remained private and vague out of respect for Colton and our relationship. Um, she decided to do the interview because she, quote, respects the fact that Bachelor gave her a platform. Okay. Uh, I didn't see any harm doing the interview as I wasn't going to dish out details about our relationship to them. But then Colton was upset about it. But then this. Uh, this is a lot. I don't know. Anyway, none of that's in the book. So. Yeah. yeah, because the book, you know, the text was finalized, like, in 2019. <laughs> yeah. Um. But so that's that's generally the book that is thank you Rebecca a lot of background on what was actually happening on uh, our screens. I will say that if you're at all interested in this, I would recommend watching that one episode just to see. Like it's it's amazing. It's amazing television. Yeah. Anyway, um, one other thing. I so I I watched a little bit of The Bachelor, but I didn't pick that episode. By the way, it's on HBO Max, which is weird. Like. This doesn't feel like the kind of prestige television that needs to be on HBO, but that's where it <laughs> went to live in storage, I guess. Um, in the introduction, I guess I did talk a little bit about the sloth girl, but I'm obsessed with the sloth girl. Um, she lives in Boston. I do want to become friends with this sloth girl who dressed in full sloth costume. Please look at photos if you didn't if you didn't know the episode or didn't watch it. Um, her name is Alex. She seems cool. She was like immediately eliminated, which. Okay, I guess. I mean, if I were The Bachelor, I would have chosen her to stay for past night one. Right? I mean, I, I will say, like, the the sloth thing being like, oh, you like to go slow. Again, I felt like all of the kind of virginity jokes were in poor taste, but at least this one was cute. I don't know. It was. Yeah, so that's the book. That's the show. Uh, why don't we go into some dramatic readings? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to start the book Omens with the top 10 list, which is very uh, considerate of it. It gets me right into it. And again, this is something where if you knew who this person was, if you had watched the show, like whatever. But to me, this is a shocking introduction to what I was about to read. <laughs> okay. So this is the first chapter. On The Bachelor, I didn't have as much time to get to know someone as I might have wanted or thought I was going to get. In that sense, the show was like real life. Moments came and went in the blink of an eye. I promise you that won't happen here. To get us started, here are 10 basic but essential facts about me. Number one, I prefer text over email, but it's best just to call me. You can spend all day texting what you can accomplish in a five-minute call. Two, I'm into country music now, but growing up, I was team NSYNC over team Backstreet Boys. Number three, Brussels sprouts are my favorite food. I wonder what that says about me. A little weird, I suppose. Sushi is a close second. Number four. Sangria is my favorite drink. 
If it's not on the menu, I'll have a glass of white wine. Five, I don't wash my blue jeans. Denim shrinks and a good pair of blue jeans should be worshipped, not washed. Six, I wear shorts to bed if I'm sleeping with my dog. I don't wear anything if I'm alone. Seven, I am a neat freak. Cass is on the messiest neat person she's ever met. Eight, I prefer baths over showers, but I always shower before taking a bath. Nine, of the 1,000 plus photos on my Instagram, my favorite is the picture of me and Cass right after the Bachelor finale. I could finally show everybody that I was with this incredible person who filled my heart with happiness. 10. Am I still a virgin? That's a big part of this book, so you're going to have to keep reading to learn the rest of the story. And no skipping ahead. If you do, you'll miss the next chapter, which, spoiler alert, spoiler alert reveals something heretofore known only to Cass and me. It's like clickbait. This book is clickbait. But it's a book. <laughs> I like there are a lot of things that's wrong with that list, but I don't understand the bath and shower thing. I just don't get it. What anyway. See, that's the most normal part to me as a person who because I do love like lounging in a bath, but I don't like lounging in like my own grime. So I also will, like, hose down in the shower and then get in the bath. It's like taking a shower before you get in the pool. I yes. understand. Okay. I If I'm taking a bath, though, I will also take a shower afterward because then you, you do have, like, bath grime on you, even if you showered before. Anyway, I, this is irrelevant. He talks about sangria elsewhere in the book, and he's like, you might, that's like his one piece of evidence. He's like, you might seem like I seem like a total bro with my dogs and my football and my fishing, but I drink sangria, and it's like, okay. Well, I mean, would total bros be as obsessed with friends as he is? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he does name drop the series Friends, like, 50 times in this book. Like, everyone else is doing X, but I was just at home watching Friends. <laughs> All right, next up, uh, Rebecca is going to read um, something. I don't remember what. <laughs> yeah, so um, we talked a little bit about this earlier in the show, but the, the section where he's talking about maybe it would be easier if I were gay because then I would know who I was. Anyway, we're going we're gonna to hear it from him in his own words right now. People make assumptions all the time based on what seems obvious, and what we learn over and over again is that the obvious isn't always so. After Deanne and I broke up, rumors flew around school that I was gay. I assumed the reason why. The rumor became so rampant in our small town, even my mom heard about it. We were in the car one day at a red light when out of nowhere she said, You know, Colt, we'd still love you and support you if you were gay. Embarrassed, I let her know that I'd heard the rumors too, but they were just that. Rumors. I was straight. It wasn't my first time addressing that subject. When I was in ninth grade, I ordered porn on TV, straight and gay. My dad saw a $90 charge on the cable bill and told me he'd kick my ass if I did that again. He was right, of course. Porn was free on the internet. Unfortunately, that got me in trouble too. One day, the following year, I was playing basketball in the backyard when my dad called me into his office and motioned toward his computer screen. Do you want to explain this, he said? He'd called up the history of recent Google searches, which included gay porn sites and a variety of questions. Am I gay? How do you know if you're gay? Why don't I like having sex with my girlfriend? At first, I denied responsibility. 
Then I owned up to having been curious. He asked if I wanted to talk about it. I said no, explaining that I'd figured things out on my own. I begged him not to tell mom. I'm sure he did. But neither of them ever spoke about it with me. All that research, though, led me to understand that I was definitely attracted to girls. But as with all immersion therapy, even my own self-styled internet version, it didn't change who I was or cure me of my fears. It was then, as a way of protecting myself from all the stuff about relationships that gave me anxiety, I decided I would stay a virgin until I fell in love with someone. That became my safe zone. Sometimes I wonder if my life would have been much easier if I had been gay. Maybe it would have helped me to know myself better and sooner. Maybe I wouldn't have stayed a virgin. Maybe I wouldn't have asked who am I as often as I did and suffered so much angst because I didn't have an answer. Identity was such a big question mark with me. Yes, I was a football player, but what else was I? Was there anything more? At 17, I wanted answers and didn't understand that not knowing, and in fact having to figure out my own answers through trial and error, lots of error, was part of the process. I didn't realize people keep asking those questions throughout their lives. As I later found out, my own parents were asking themselves those questions. And that's where I'll stop. Yeah. Yeah. So, and by the way, again, I don't want to, like, there's nothing wrong with not wanting to have sex until later in life. And I know, of course, especially, like, as a straight man, like, he's he's stuck in this prison of toxic masculinity and whatever. And and I don't mean to be like, oh, the only way that makes sense is if he's asexual or demisexual. Um, because, you know, yeah, maybe he's not. And it just, he just wanted to wait for his own reasons. And that's, that's great, too, if that's what he's doing. But I, I do wonder if there's another option that would have um, made sense for him to learn about. He definitely, he did talk about having boners a lot on the, while filming The Bachelor. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're asexual, you can have a boner. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, So, I am going to read a little bit about his first introduction to Becca on The Bachelorette. The sun was beginning to set in a sky streaked with pinks, oranges, and yellows when my producer escorted me into the hotel lobby. There, I finally saw several of the other guys. Before I could introduce myself to anyone, I was led to an open door at the back of an idling limo. Three guys were already inside. Jason Tardick, William Wills Reed, and Kristen Staples. Christian? Whatever. Um, A producer and cameraman were also wedged towards the front. I slid in and smiled at everyone. This is for Survivor, right? I said. It was a perfect icebreaker. Everyone laughed and relaxed as much as possible given the situation. We shared friendly chit-chat about how nuts it was that this was all really happening. Finally, a short time later, we arrived at the gate of the 7,500-square-foot Mediterranean villa, a.k.a. the mansion, and continued slowly up the driveway. Conversation in the limo stopped. After months of interviews and prep, here we were, And this reality snapped us to attention. All of us were silently reviewing the clever and cute lines we had worked up to greet Becca. We knew a good first impression was crucial in determining whether we would receive a rose or get sent home. Producers had reviewed our ideas and offered assistance where needed to ensure we had a unique and camera-friendly hello. I'd wanted to walk up to Becca with a local rescue dog and explain that both of us were hoping to find someone who'd fall in love with us. 
But Blake was riding in on an ox to show his love was as strong as an ox. So producers asked me to come up with another idea. Unable to come up with anything I liked as much as my initial idea, I settled for little party poppers that literally popped and released a spray of confetti. I planned to give one to Becca and say, let's get this party poppin'. I rehearsed my line a thousand times and was still rehearsing it in my head as I watched Jason, Wills, and Christian take their turns meeting Becca. I took it all in. Their confident walks to Becca, their smiles, their cute dances, the way they gave Becca a respectful peck on the cheek. This was that this was really happening seemed crazy and surreal. Yeah, the going a the idea that a local bringing a local rescue dog is too similar to someone riding on an ox. <laughs> I and could the, hear you cracking up as you were reading that. <laughs> to go from being like, "Oh, I'll do this local rescue dog because like that's really like a huge part of my personality. I'm one of those people who likes dogs instead of having a personality." Um to go from like, oh, let's get this party poppin' is just wild. <laughs> um, okay, let us play a quick round of Would You Rather. And, okay, for my first question, I'm going to posit a, you know, a gender slash sexuality neutral version of a, the Bachelor franchise. Um, so I'm going to ask, would you rather be the bachelorette or compete with other bachelorettes? And you can be competing for a person of your gender of choice. Okay, um, absolutely yeah. be the bachelorette. They fly you around to all your favorite locations. They dress you in amazing clothes and jewelry and whatever that you get to keep. You can, you know, you never return it. And everyone else has to like work at competing for your affections. You don't have to do any work at all. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I also am going to go with that. Before Renata specified it was gender neutral, I was going to go with compete with other bachelorettes because you always hear these stories about like, well, not always, but there's like two or three different times that like two bachelorettes competing for the bachelor actually fell in love with each other and left the show to be together, Um, which I was like, yeah, I'll make that my storyline. But if I can have, if this is an all female version, much for the same reasons as Rebecca, I would choose to be the bachelorette. Yeah, I mean, when it was not gender neutral, it was a much more difficult conundrum. Mm-hmm. Now it is not. <laughs> yeah. See, I would rather, I don't want, if you're the bachelorette, like, the amount, the center of attention that you would have to be, like, I don't want that. I would rather have my story be, like, I'm the girl in the sloth costume <laughs> and I I get like a few laughs. I, I guess I, you know, I wouldn't mind if I went home on the first episode. I don't really want to be on the show, but if I, I also would be okay to stick around longer and at least like get to go on the trip. And cause what you have, I don't know what the final six or 10 or something get to go somewhere. Uh, they start going places pretty early, but it's like a couple of weeks in LA and then they start country hopping for at least three or four weeks, I think. Yeah. So I like I'm into that and I would I would be fine to just sort of like hop along, go get a little bit of time in Vietnam. Like there's parts where the other girls are like, oh, I haven't seen Colton in so long and I'm just hanging out here in this like beautiful mansion and like. I, I wish Colton were here and be like, no, like, please let him go and spend his time with the other girls and I'm just going to enjoy this trip and then I'll go home and not be proposed to on TV. Thank you. 
I like I would agree with you, except for that, like, you know, you don't real you're like basically prisoners when you're on these trips as a contestant, they don't let you out by yourselves. So like you're just basically in a hotel room in a foreign country. Well okay. <laughs> Sorry. It's fine. Um how and by the way, I know I know don't tweet at me, I know about a shot at love with Tila Tequila, and that's not what we're talking about. Um in terms of gender neutral voucher shows. That's a whole different vibe. This is something else that we've invented for this question. Um, how about this is the book ends with Colton asking you to text him with a phone number. And it's pretty clearly like one of those fake celebrity texting things that ends up being like a, a mass message or whatever. But would you rather text Colton's phone number or slide into Cassie's DMs? DM Cassie. I don't I, like I feel like I kind of know Colton and I don't know Cassie very well and I feel like in in the interest of fairness I would like to hear from her. Okay. Okay. Yeah, also also Cassie for I guess similar reasons and also she did all of this likely breaking news aside she did seem pretty chill as portrayed in the book. She seemed chill. Yeah, also you know Colton clearly a big dog person and that's fine I respect a dog person. Um, Cassie's a cat person and that does come up as a minor point of contention in their relationship in the book um, but so if I DM Cassie I feel like there's a good chance she might send me a picture of, of a cat and that's what I want to see it's just <laughs> just send me a picture of your cat Cassie and that's not a euphemism just literally a cat please alright finally and this question will require a little explanation that I'm so happy to give would you rather eat at steak and shake or steaks and cakes and Steaks and Cakes, of course, is the fictional restaurant from Christian Mingle, the movie that is the sponsor of this podcast and is just a really long running joke that's gone fully off the rails. Or eat at Steak and Shake, which is a real chain of restaurants, um, mostly in the Midwest. The first one was in Normal, Illinois, which is the town where I went to high school. Um, this is a chain that every so often our listeners find out about and they're like, oh, do you know about Steak and Shake? Like, it's like Steaks and Cakes, but it's real. And I'm like, yeah, I I was raised at Steak and Shake. I know <laughs> Steak and Shake. Um, it's, it's 24 hours. So it was always like our go-to like after high school theater hangout where we would go and just like terrorize Steak and Shake waiters. Sorry, Steak and Shake. Um, anyway. I, I'm there's not any steaks and shakes on the on the east coast and I actually think there's some in Florida but there's not any in the northeast and I miss steak and shake and so for that reason I am actually gonna have to break from our sponsor and I do very badly want to eat at steak and shake oh and I was so busy explaining what steak and shake is I forgot to mention that Colton shouts out steak and shake because at after his high school football games they would go to steak and shake and I was like that's correct that is what you do when you are in high school in the midwest after your high school events, you go to Steak and Shake because it's open and it's cheap and it's delicious. And I would like to go there very much. I think you've sold me. Definitely Steak and Shake. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm going to stick with our beloved sponsor, Steaks and Cakes. But I, I will say that when he shouted out Steak and Shake in the book, immediately I was like, oh, Renata's going to love this. I, I did. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for knowing me. Um, okay, now it's time for Reader's Advisory, where we'll suggest something to read or watch instead of or in addition to this book. Which, I mean, I'll say, if you're a fan of The Bachelor, this was a pretty enjoyable read. You might like it. It was. It was readable, definitely. 
Um, I'll go first and I'll keep it real fast. Uh, if you hate how uh, exclusive and discriminatory Bachelor is, you should read One to Watch, uh, where a fat uh, person is chosen, a fat fashion blogger is chosen to be the lead of The Bachelorette. If you want to hear more about The Bachelor and how the sausage gets made, read either Bachelor Nation by Amy Kaufman. Uh, and, or go to Charlene Joint's blog, All the Pretty Pandas, where she's so smart that that's pretty much the only reason I keep up with The Bachelor is to hear what she says about it the day after. I We've mentioned it a couple times, but if this like sort of reality scene, reality TV behind the scenes thing appeals to you, uh, you should check out the show Unreal. Yeah, at least the first season. I heard it went a little off the rails, but I did really like the first season of that. Yes. Um, this is a book I made Kate read for the podcast because I liked it so much, but the selection by Kira Cass is basically like, what if The Bachelor, but also royalty and also completely bonkers. Um, so if you like The Bachelor, you might like the selection. And we'll have these and some other ones up on our website, which is, of course, worstbestsellers.com. And now we'll move on to our candy pairing where we will... You know, just like Colton might ask the waiter to recommend the finest sangria to accompany his meal, what candy would you have accompany this book? I went for Three Musketeers. It is sweet, one note, not particularly memorable, but you won't regret it. Uh, I went with, uh, similarly, a generic chocolate bar purchased from an Ernest High Schooler selling them for his football team. Uh, mine is the cherry on top of a shake from Steak and Shake, which isn't a virginity joke, but it's not not a virginity joke. Um, and next, we'll play The Rock, Paper, Snicked, which is, of course, the game where Kate says who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Rebecca can choose which most enhances the book or paper, which is to leave the book as is. Uh, if Dwayne The Rock Johnson was in this book, uh, it would be a reality where he was not happily partnered um, and he would be one of the Bachelor contestants or Bachelorette contestants, of course, uh, and he would win handily, obviously, and little else would change. Um, if Wolverine were in this book, um, you know, he would just stab Larry Nassar to death and that's such a such a minor point in this book, but it's really the only place where I feel like Wolverine could neatly fit in. And, you know, he works with teen girls who do gymnastics. I think he would find out about this and just like fucking stab him to death. And so Colton's story wouldn't change that much, but, but that would happen. Okay. So I totally believe that Wolverine should stab Larry Nasser to death. However, in keeping with the rules of the game, Larry Nasser is not really in this book. So I feel like I have to rule in favor of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. That's fair. That's fair. I mean I made up the game, so like (laughs) (laughs) Are you saying you want to change the rules so that you can win? (laughs) I'm saying that wasn't even a rule. But wow. it's fine. I do think that The Rock should win The Bachelor if he wants to. Yes. Um, and I would watch that. All right. What do we think the moral of the story is? Uh, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, if you are lied to and left injured by professional sports schools, definitely sue so you can have the money you need to wait to see if The Bachelor calls. <laughs> so important. Um, mine is um, American schools need 
greater comprehensive education about all kinds of sexualities. Uh, and mine is that always try to control your own edit. <laughs> mm, yeah, that Important. is a very good moral. Important. Um, speaking of controlling your edit, it's time for Duarte's Corner, where, of course, my cat Duarte will share his continued thoughts on the book. Yeah, Dorja, you're right. I didn't mention there is a part when a stray cat gets into the fantasy suite and Colton chases the cat out. And of course, I would never do that. If a stray cat came into the fantasy suite, it would be an absolute highlight of my time on The Bachelor. But you'd have to, like, make it that far. You don't want to do that work, Renata. Well, if there's a cat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I, I agree, Duarte. You know, there were there was a lot of focus on on uh, his dogs, and Colton really should have given cats more of a chance. I, I do agree with that. And also, by the way, Colton's dogs were named Sniper and Bullet, and that's fucked up. I also believe that regardless of how much you might like Colton, if don't date a guy who names his dogs that. Yeah, man, yikes. Um, and one of them, Bullet, died in Snipers, or maybe opposite. Anyway whack dog names i'll say that for colton um and that's really my closing thought is those are whack dog names do any humans have any quick closing thoughts about this book or colton or anything uh i'll say that if you're a bachelor fan this book was pretty readable i haven't read any of well i tried to read andy dorfman's and it was real terrible so this one is better if you have to choose, but really just don't, maybe. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I don't, um, yeah. Uh, thanks. So thank you, Rebecca, for joining us uh, on the podcast. It was great to have you. Um, Rebecca's new book comes out, I think, like the day after this episode comes up if we're on schedule. Yeah. October 13th, whenever that is in yeah. the world in which you're listening to this podcast. Celebrate Fox Mulder's birthday by reading. Um, well, first, you know, if you haven't read... Um, Oh my god, I'm blanking on the title of the Shatter first book. The Shatter the Sky. Yes, I was going to say Beneath the Sky, and that's not it. If you haven't read <laughs> that, you've got, you know, go grab that up really quick. Read that. It's very good. Very um, empowering YA dragon book. And then um, on October 13th, you can grab the sequel, Storm the Earth. And I haven't read that yet, but I'm excited to read it. Well, thank you. I'm excited too. Um, okay, so if you want to come talk to us and explain The Bachelor to us or talk about Steak and Shake or whatever, um, please do. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Worst Bestsellers, spelled normally. We're on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S. The S was lost in editing. Um, we miss it. Uh, we also have a Goodreads group that you can best get to by going to worstbestsellers.com. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, all the podcast places. You know what they are. Uh, if you do subscribe to us, please take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it pushes us up on the charts a little and makes it easier for new listeners to find us. Uh, if you don't rate and review, then we're definitely going to make sure that you're villainized on national television. <laughs> You can also subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. Uh, Patreon is a service where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to make the podcast better. And in return, you get perks. 
Uh, we have a merch store that you can get to by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on merch. And if you want to chat with us about like any dumb shit that doesn't have to do with the show or does have to do with the show, uh, you can go to worstbestsellers.com and find a link to our Discord server. Um, finally, if you just want to talk to me personally, send me photos of stray cats or whatever um, at Renata Snacks on Twitter. And if you want to follow me on social media, I'm at 14 across. And if you want to find me and talk about The Bachelor, because I want to find you and talk about The Bachelor, uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram at, at Rebecca Writing. And my website is RebeccaWellsWrites.com. Yes. And, um, and buy her book. And we'll have links to that on our website, WorstBestSellers.com. And we'll be back in two weeks with a, a spooky Halloween story, Wait Till Helen Comes by Mary Downing Hahn. I mean, it's not a Halloween story, but it will be Halloween. You get it. You get it. Very exciting. Um, yes. Uh, Rebecca, thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This was the best episode to join <laughs> on. I <laughs> feel honored that you allowed me to come and tell you all about the intricacies of the Bachelor world. Yes, thank you for teaching us. And thanks to everyone for listening. And bye. 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 Bye.